Hey, it's Clint Sterner. What's going on, man? <laughs> Not much, man. Just uh, in the city. Yeah. Talking sports, talking Texans, man. What what a better place to be. Not bad. You and I just shot Texans 360. You can watch it, Channel 13, 11 o'clock, Saturday night. It's a good show. Clint had some good things to say about the quarterback. We're going to hear more things about the quarterback. Sean Watson, of course. But uh, we're also going to talk a lot about Clint because he's had an interesting journey, man. You got it's fun. Your journey right now is pretty interesting. You know what's crazy is, is uh, I always hear about these guys like Kurt Warner and these these quarterbacks that that uh, have had they played with four NFL teams and everybody refers to him as a, a journeyman quarterback. Uh-huh. I hate to break it to you boys, but <laughs> I got a journeyman quarterback story for you that that, that <laughs> doesn't end in a in a multi million dollar contract. So, uh, but now I wouldn't change it for the world, man. It was it, my my path was has been fun. And hopefully it's not done. Yeah. What are you doing right now? Like, what's, what's going on? In, Man, a ton of media stuff. Um, I've, I've found a way to this point to, to be a contributor on, a, on a, another level, essentially, with different um, stations, both obviously Sports Radio 610 here in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I do some stuff for Cox Sports TV out in, in New Orleans uh, during the football season. And then I do some stuff with the ESPN affiliate back in – Little Rock as well, so yeah. Um, just uh, uh, Chris Mortensen is the the uh, he's the contributor of all contributors, right? I mean, he just he gets really busy when the good good stuff hits, yeah. and, and everything's juicy. So um, I, I've tried to kind of develop that t- same type of of uh, career relative to the media is go in and and again when it's juicy and there's a lot of meat on the bone and just knock it out of the park and then and then go and move on to the next. So yeah, it's been and it's been fun seeing you here and hearing you here in Houston on the radio. You do the stern talk during the football season, and, I mean, it's one of the best bits of radio that I hear. I mean, you break down – because people listening to this right now, not everybody's listening is from Houston. There's we got people sure. up in Oregon and all over the place, so they might not know that you're doing that stuff. But it, you break down probably, what, four or five plays from the previous week's Texans game, yep. and you just explain what the hell happened, and it's fascinating. Well, we, we usually, learn a lot. You know, we pick the plays that, obviously, if you watch the game, you'll remember, and mm-hmm. you don't have to be a big, you know, the, the, an all-out Texans fan. If you're a football fan and you watch the game and you see Deshaun Watson make an unbelievable throw to, to Hopkins, um, you obviously know it was a great throw, and, and you know, you, you tip your you cheers your beer to your sure. buddy sitting next to you, but um, – you know, why did that happen? How did it happen? Yeah, there's 21 you know, other people on the field that yeah. kind of what, had a the, play in it. Yeah. You know, what's the quarterback looking at? What, what did, How did Hopkins get so open? Or, or, or how was he so covered and, and Deshaun threw him open? And, um, you know, how they set that play up with the formation, the shift, the motion. Um, you know, that kind of thing, man. It's it's I really love – that's just how I watch football. So yeah. it's, it's natural. And I've learned over time that that's – People find that interesting. It's just all I know. It's how, I, unfortunately, I can't enjoy the game the way most people do. I'm all into the X's and O's and why something happens instead of just enjoying the moment. But uh, for that for that segment on radio, it, it's it's a good way to view it. Yeah, and we're going to get into why you watch football that way because we want to hear your backstory. But first, we got to hear what you think of this 2019 Texans draft. They take the two linemen, they take the two corners, and then some other help elsewhere. But what do you think of it, broad view, when you look back at it? Well, I think initially the knee-jerk reaction is everybody, you know, I expected them to take or make a move uh, to get one of the top, what I, what everybody thought were the top two or three tackles in the draft. And then you're watching the draft and several guys start falling, yeah. several tackles start falling in the draft. And, and so as a, a, a Texans media member, as a Texans fan, I'll say it, I'm from Houston, you know, you, you start going, good gosh, this could happen, this could come true. And then they end up drafting – Titus Howard, who who you didn't nobody knew about. I didn't know who he was or, right. or what his story was, 
And so I think a little bit initially the knee-jerk reaction was, you know, a little bit of a buzzkill. I mean, who is this guy? Not only is he an offensive lineman, but it's not a, a big-name skill player. It's not a clowny. It's not a Deshaun Watson. So the knee-jerk reaction immediately was was a little bit of a buzzkill, a little bit of disappointment. And then, but immediately what I do is I go, I break out the iPad and I go watch yeah. Alabama State film. And you go, this guy is a guy that you've got some for sure – and when I say for sure, I mean it's can't miss. He's gonna he's gonna have this skill set, and he's gonna not make mistakes. His feet are gonna be in the right place. His mass is obviously it's on paper. You know how big he is. You know how he's built. He's not a guy that's gonna get beat when he shouldn't get beat. Now is is his ceiling high enough to go go shut down a JJ Watt or a Clowney or we don't know. I mean I don't know if anybody coming out. Yeah, of college. how many guys have that ceiling? You know, yeah, look everybody. I heard this this word project thrown around. Every guy coming out. Yeah. Including first rounders is a pro is a project. You don't know point. what's going to happen once they get uh, in this type of professional environment. So, um, you know, I, I guess with with Titus Howard, the, the, where I'm going with it is, I, I think the longer you study him, the more you study him, the longer he's here, the more you understand why uh, O'Brien and Gain were so high on him, and and the more that I personally believe he was a very safe pick, yeah. which is what I want my my first rounders to be. I don't want to reach. I don't want to gamble. I want a guy that I know what I'm getting. And I believe the Texans got a solid, very solid starter uh, for a long time in Titus Howard. And then you watch Max Sharping. He's a guy that's instincts. You know, he knows he knows who he is. Heavy-legged guy that's that he knows he's he, he's got a uh, his weak spot would maybe the the speed rush, you know, outside. So he he knows that. Uh, he's got the instincts to attach even though he's getting beat. He he gets attached and he rides that defensive end by the quarterback, so essentially he gets his job done. Doubling up to the second level, all the things that you want your lineman to be able to do, he does instinctually well. Does he have deficiencies? Sure, everybody does. But he his instincts are next level, so love, love that one. Lonnie Johnson, I know Stoops, man. Stoops is one of my time at the SEC Network. Stoops is one of my favorite coaches to cover. Really? And I'm going to tell you what, man, he is, he is an Ohio – Guy, I mean, he is thick skin, rough around the edges. If you're going to play for Mark Stoops, you're going to be an absolute dog. Yeah, I mean, you're going to be a dog. You're going to know how to come to practice. You're going to know how to fight. You're going to know. You're going to know it, particularly on the defense side of football. You're going to know how to play a winning style of defense. So I knew I didn't know much about Lonnie when they drafted him, but I knew that his background, his pedigree, where he comes from, JUCO guy. I mean, that dude's got some scars, man. And and uh, he he's 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 got some pelts on the wall relative to the coaches that have coached him. Um, he, he's a guy that again I think it was a very very safe pick. Now are you getting a, a a zone corner? You know, or are you getting a guy that can potentially man up backside away from Ty Hilton? I don't know what you're getting from a skill set, but you're getting a dog that's not going to be scared to tackle. He's not going to back down from anybody. Drew, he's a player. He also we saw him at OTAs the other day. He just doesn't look like a normal cornerback. He's guy, enormous. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's he looks he's every bit of six two, six three. Yeah, I mean, and, every bit. His and, arms like they go down to the floor, yeah. floor almost. And, and see, that's that's one of those things that when you're just evaluating corners, we look at height and speed, you know, and and vertical and things yeah. like that. And and we don't you don't get into the size of their hands. I mean, their grip strength is is 
is unbelievably important. I mean, the length of their arms, the ability to to stab a receiver as he's getting off the ball, and that receiver can't get his hands to your body. That length of that arm is is very very important. You know, we don't know what kind of pop he has in his in his uh, in his not a set, it'd be an offensive line set, but in his hands essentially, in in his press man technique, we don't know what kind of pop he has. I'm going to go out on a limb and say I know Mark Stoops. If any, if he's done anything under Mark Stoops, he's learned how to punch somebody, and and so uh, I just think the more the further we get removed from the draft, and you really start, you do your due diligence and you dig in, I I think the fans are going to be happy on the flip side of this yeah. when you see the production on the field. It may not be Hopkins, yeah, but you're going to see these guys playing and being contributors and being important parts of this football team. Uh, sooner rather than later, and I think that's all you can ask for in a draft. Yeah, they have made your team better. That's no it. That's, question. Uh, maybe not flashy, but they've made you better. And you know what else, too, Drew? Not not to keep rolling on this, but no, it's no. it's uh, uh, the biggest question mark is depth with this team. You a couple of injuries last year on both sides of the ball really made a huge difference. You still won eleven games, but it made a huge difference. Sure. It made it very difficult to call for these coordinators. It made it very difficult uh, to play a team defense or a, a team offense, an efficient style of offense. And at the very least. I believe you've created depth to where you're not handcuffed if you lose a couple guys. It'll be tough. It's always tough losing guys, but you're not completely handcuffed if you lose guys. All right, you just mentioned it a moment ago. You said you're a Texans fan. You grew up here. You're a lot like me. We're the same age. We graduated high school the same year, and then we went away, didn't stay in Houston for college. I take it you were an Oilers fan growing up? I was. I mean, I, I was. I hit the screen door running when the sun came up, baby. Didn't come home till mama whistled. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> at the end of the day, I wasn't sitting around on Sundays watching NFL ball and wasn't sitting around. You're outside on playing. I okay. was outside playing, man. Right. I wasn't talented enough to not play every day. You know, <laughs> so uh, I was outside playing, man. But yeah, I mean, we, I was. I remember my first uh, Oilers game. We, we I grew up south of the tracks. You know, I didn't have we didn't have the we didn't have tickets to the Oilers game. Yeah, that I never went, went that to wasn't Oilers a priority in, yeah. in mom and dad's in mom and dad's budget, if you know what I mean. Um, but I did have an uncle that brought me to a game one time, and, and I sat like three seats down from Dan Pastorini. So wow, uh, which I, I knew enough about the, the the organization to know who he was. Uh, in fact, I knew him at, at the time. I knew him as a drag racer more than I did a quarterback. Yeah, because right? so, he was he would race in Baytown. It, yeah, he? Baytown. Yeah. There's a raceway down there. So um, that was a really really cool uh, time it, it, when I was coming up to to White Warren Moon was was uh, you know he was a badass. I mean he mm-hmm. killed it. Um, Haywood Jeffries, Ernest Givens, Alonzo Highsmith, Chris it's a fun Dishman. Offense. They were always this close. Yeah, this yeah. close. Powerful man. But you know the, some of the, some of the, the cool things now is uh, you know I've gotten into training and training quarterbacks and working some different camps and a lot of these camps nowadays are using those guys from back in the day to train to, really? to come work camps and so i've gotten to, to work camps with chris dishman who dish was one of my favorite yeah. guys to watch i never knew him he was a hell of a cornerback a hell of a cornerback great player and then when i got to work a camp with him you find out he's a great dude yeah i mean just not you know it's, it's easy and I, I can't blame the guys that are um you know, maybe a little bit arrogant or a little bit egotistical or, or a little bit outside-the-box type guys because, I mean, you've made a boatload of money. You're one of the best players ever in the game. And but I found that a lot of those Oilers, I haven't – they don't have that sort of personality. I've not met Because I met guy. Dishman as a – he was a coach at Baylor about five or six years ago. I was there at a pro day, and he was right. as cool as can be. I had hey, to say hey to him. I mean, genuine, sincere, solid dude. Didn't yeah. matter who you – I mean, I'm still close with Darren Woodson from my Cowboy days. Oh, and, yeah. and Darren – the reason Darren and I hit it off so well is Darren didn't care who you were. Mm-hmm. If he liked you, he was going to kick it with you. It, was, it wasn't about, hey, you, you won Super Bowls with me or you're the highest-paid guy on the team or we're the same A. Darren, if, if, if y'all had good chemistry – 
he respected you and it didn't matter if you were a third string quarterback or a first string defensive lineman he he just he he welcomed everybody and so that's the way dish was that's the way uh you know Alonzo Highsmith was the same way I got to spend a little time around him so he can be intimidating um, right a little bit intimidating some of the best stories I've ever heard though is is Alonzo Highsmith talking about his older days and some of the stuff he did I'm just like man what were you thinking <laughs> typical Miami guy right like, yeah I was gonna say his Miami stories <laughs> jeez yeah. those are good too. yeah so some of those were really cool man but um so yeah, coming up the the Astros and the Oilers, man. I, I we I was a big I was a big fan um, when I was in Mr. Mallory's yard down the street playing football, man. I was Warren Moon, baby. This is this is in Baytown where you grew up, and then you yep. went to went to Lee. Yep. And you guys ripped it up there. Your head coach was Dick Olin. You were part of a line of a lot of great quarterbacks. You're one of them. Yeah. You man. guys, tell me about your high school career. What? How how deep y'all went? Well, because you know what's crazy, Drew, is you, you don't know this, obviously, but, man, I only quarterbacked one year in high school, mm-hmm. right? So that whole run of quarterbacks, I always give Coach Olin hell because he only gave me one year of quarterback, <laughs> right? But I competed with Jermaine. The, the team was the, – the Lee was terrible going into my freshman year, and that's when Olin got hired. And they, they lost. They were 0-10, I think, my freshman year. But he kept all of the, our, the young guys together, his first class at league together. And that was my group. And we were really, really good. We had two or three really – I mean, I had – a tight end went to Boston College. I had probably five, six guys off the offense that played at, you know, McNeese. To my, I had an yeah. old lineman and a linebacker played at McNeese. And, but we had a, t- a Texas A&M defensive end. We had a, te- a University of Texas tight end, a Boston College tight end. We had a ton of skill. And um, Jermaine, we kept all of us together. So I played quarterback under, at the at the sub-varsity level. And Jermaine Alfred was the starting quarterback. And uh, we competed after my freshman year. And – it, I, I'm I'm a realist, you know, and, and Jermaine beat me out. Jermaine could play now. That sucker, yeah. that sucker at the time was significantly bigger than I was. Um, could absolutely spin the rock, man. And he beat me out. And I and I went to Olin and said, "Hey, I'm I, this this. I'm not going to sit the bench behind a guy. I mean, I'm, I was a baseball guy. Baseball was my favorite sport. It was my best sport. And I said, I'm just going to go play baseball. And he said, No, no. He said, Bring your parents in. Let's talk. I said, Okay. So I bring my parents in, and he says, I, "I'm gonna guarantee you that I'll get you a Division One scholarship if you'll stick with me." And I don't know, I don't, I didn't know what he saw in me um, to to go out on a limb and, and say that, but he did. He just knew he had um, two great quarterbacks there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he probably looking back on it, man. I, I just I had a knack, and I had the ability to to get the ten guys in the huddle around me to play better and to want to play better and to lay it on the line, and, and yeah. I had the ability to do that on a daily basis at practice. So I think he probably saw something. And I, I could throw it. I mean, I, I, I couldn't – I can't throw it with Deshaun Watson or I can't throw it with Warren Moon or I can't throw it with Troy Aikman. But I can spin the rock. And, and so I think he saw a combination of that and um, and felt comfortable saying that, man. So I almost quit the game and, and uh, glad I didn't because I played receiver my junior year. Uh, we went second round of the playoffs. Uh, Should have been better. Yeah. Um, Loved playing receiver, and then I got the job my my senior year, and uh, we get beat by Umble in the first round of the playoffs. Man, we we were we were way up in in the state rankings. It's because they had a grown man playing for them. David Boston was a grown Sheesh. man, son. He was All American offense and defense, yeah. if I remember correctly. But he caught a couple of touchdowns that day. He picked me once, and and we missed a field goal, and they went on and and beat us that day. So. Uh, but it was a hell of a run, man. Like you said, Coach Olin. And it's right. You got you played them right in the first round. First round. You should probably go a lot at deeper. Their place. Yeah. Oh man. And and we were we were really really we were a good football team. We just ran into a buzzsaw. You know, we ran into him. I mean, they were good. Yeah. Um, but he was special, and and he was enough of a guy where they were gonna put up points with him on the field. And, mm-hmm. and if you if you had at any point in time got bogged down and couldn't score points, you were in trouble. Yeah. And uh, 
they put up a few more than we did, man, and we couldn't. The old field goal kicker got us. So he was uh, he was in that class. You were in that class. If you're like me, you hear the word Odell. You still think Odell James before you think Odell Beckham? Well, yes, I do. Um, funny story, man. Odell James tells me uh, we're both up for me, him, Mike Green. Again, there's two, I think there's two other guys. We're up for the Houston Player of the Year my senior year. And uh, I walk in the, in the little, uh, I guess, the green room, so to speak, uh, before the, the banquet and uh, I just introduced myself to him. I knew who he was. I mean, yeah. he's six five, six six. So I knew who he was. So I shook his hand and said, "Man, I'm Clinton." And he said, "Yeah, I know who you are." He said, uh, "Tell tell your boy Jermaine Alfred that he's taking his last snap at Baylor." Oh. And I was like, "Wow, that's ballsy. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mouthful, but okay, <laughs> whatever, man." So uh, yeah, but my, I think Mike Green went on and won that Houston Player of the Year deal, and and so that's my experience with Odell. And of course, he went to Baylor, and yeah. injuries got him, and. Um, you know, I think his career was cut short with knee problems. Anytime you're six yeah. five and run like him, boy, you need some good knees. And so he uh unfortunately his career was cut short, but boy, what a special player he was. No doubt. So you have the one year as a starter at quarterback and you go to Arkansas. How come? Why Arkansas? Well it came down I got recruited by everybody. Uh every state every school in the states that touch Texas. Nobody mm-hmm. in Texas. I didn't get offered by anybody in Texas. No, which, nothing. Which, yeah, I mean, I, which I, I'm, I'm, look, man, I had a photographer that was taking pictures of my girlfriend at the time um, for cheerleading stuff telling me, oh, you ain't big enough to play D1 ball. So, for me, I was just lucky to go. I mean, I don't know why that sticks out in my head. It's kind of, I use it for motivation. Yeah. It always pissed me off. Like, not only do you think I'm not good enough, but you're telling me in my girlfriend's house. What, what a jerk you are. Plus, <laughs> it's a guy taking pictures of yeah. high school girls. So, right, yeah. right. So, the, the, the whole dynamic, again, I don't remember why I even remember. <laughs> <laughs> it, but it, it motivated me, and um, you got to get your motivation somewhere, man. Right, right. What motivates you, right? And so, uh, you know, that all the, the states around me: Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, LSU, Boston College. For some reason, um, and man, it came down between LSU and Arkansas. I, re- I really liked LSU. It's closer to home. Mm-hmm. I love, I love Cajun life. I love the food. I love the people. Um, I've been known to love the women throughout my time. <laughs> and and uh, in in uh, South Louisiana, so uh, I, I just love everything about it, man. And and I went over there on my visit, and, and we just had a ball. And I was like, "This is too much. Yeah, I can't, I can't do it. I can't. Um, there's no way I can stay focused, right?" And so um, I go to Arkansas, and I absolutely fall in love with it. Absolutely fall in love with it, man. And, and I just I told Danny Ford, I said, "I'm coming up here." They had nice. one quarterback on scholarship at the time. And, uh, how? How do you? How is that happen? That, that was my question, but I didn't ask it because I, yeah. I I was happy they did. And one one, and I saw them practice, and I was like, I can come up here. Yeah. So I went from going, I don't even know that I should be playing college ball to going, man, I can come up here and start. Yeah. And so I went up there, and I I, I took I backed up my first year, got a lot of playing time, and then that spring took the job from. And you flourished. Guy. I mean, those three years, you guys were good. You were a really good team, and you. You had a good offense. Yeah, well, you know, my first year we struggled. I mean, it was I, I was I was a well, I was a fish out of water, man. I, I didn't know what was going on, you know, half the time, and and so, um, but at at the end of the day, my junior year, Danny Ford gets fired, Houston Nut gets hired, and we were really talented, and he came in and lit a fire, man. Yeah, and and we went on a run. Um, I mean, I tell everybody, my junior year, we don't run eight. No, we play. We're playing Tennessee. I end up, I fumble that ball against Tennessee. They go down and score. Beat uh, us. But you, you, you got stepped on, man. Like, let's yeah, not, yeah. But, well, but yeah. Not, I know you're, right, you're, you're being a good guy. You're taking right. The, but the, it's it's not just you. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was a bum deal, man. It was it was unfortunate. You know, today it would have been reviewed and it would have been said that that the ground can't cause yeah. a fumble. And and uh, I really believe that we were the best team in the country that year because Tennessee goes on and and they beat Florida State in the championship game and we. Uh, 
you know, I, mean, I, I threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns on the road against the number two team at the time in the country. Ended up being the national champion, and nobody knows about it because I fumbled the ball at the end of the game, and we 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 lost that game. You know, so it's it's, it's it was a tough one to swallow. But we we went on a hell of a run. We ended up winning nine games that year, playing Tom Brady in the uh, in the Citrus Bowl. And I always tell people in that game, I threw more touchdowns to Tom Brady <laughs> in, in that game. The problem was two of them were to his teammates. <laughs> I threw two pick sixes in that game too. But but did you uh, did you meet him that day? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. We 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 did. Uh, we, you know, at the bowl games you always do the the media days, right. and, and all throughout the week you get to you know, cross paths with everybody. Great dude. And then did you meet him combine a year later? No, I didn't go to the combine. You didn't go. To, I, oh, I, okay. I didn't get invited Sorry. to the combine. Um, so yeah, no, I hadn't I hadn't met Tom since, um, but but that was that was a fun experience getting to be in Florida with those guys for a week, and we and we didn't spend much of time together. But when you do events together, yeah, you the quarterbacks see, yeah. shake hands and do interviews, and just a, you can tell a genuine, sincere, solid, solid dude, man. Yeah. And then the next year, you know, we come out, we end up winning eight games, um, capped it all. You Cotton Bowl win over yeah, Texas, beat Texas. The funny them. thing is, is, is um, it's a good Texas team. Really good text team. End of Major Applewhite days, beginning of Chris Sims days. It was when Major Applewhite got hurt. Chris mm-hmm. Sims comes in. Um, and so the next year, I believe, they, they stuck with Chris Sims. Anyway, I, I remember all that. But the funny thing is, is, is I've never thought about this till now, but you, you, if I think about how cool and genuine and sincere and personable Brady was right at the Citrus Bowl, the Sims cat was – was the exact opposite right? of Texas, man. Yeah, I mean, and I'm a Texas guy, so yeah. Um, I just remember how arrogant the group, what they were, and Chris Sims was, was of course, I mean, look, man, he was the hottest thing going, right? And he's on the biggest campus in America at the time, and um, they they were playing good football, so rightfully so. But I just remember him being uh, arrogant, kind of standoffish, um, you know, better than, of course, better than the Razorbacks. You know, the Texas-Arkansas uh, history. Um but it just now that you we talk about it, it's interesting to me that Brady was so. Yeah, uh, well, it makes cool, sense for seeing collected. how he, how how much he's accomplished, how much success he's, he's done. had. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is where it gets fascinating. I got it. What was it like when you walk in the Cowboys locker room? You're an undrafted free agent. Aikman's still there. He winds up getting hurt that season, right? Yeah. Emmett's around. Emmett's there. Darren yeah. Woodson's there. Yep. Larry Allen. I mean, you yep. still got the vestiges, the, the remainder of the 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 Super Bowl teams of the 90s, I mean, that had to have been just a surreal experience for you, right? Yeah, you know, it's crazy how it happened because um, I didn't get any opportunity. I didn't get any calls for free. I was going to work out for a Canadian League team. And, uh, you know, I, I end up getting the call and I fly in and I throw like 20 balls because it was like two weeks after the draft, mm-hmm. you know. So I, I fly in. I got the quarterback coach, Wade Wilson. The yeah. offensive coordinator was Jack Riley at the time. Jerry, of course, was out there being an Arkansas guy. Uh, I think Stephen and Jerry Jr. were out there, and well, they uh, had to love those three. Had to love you. Yeah, well, you know, I had, I had had some. I'd spent some time with those guys before, just at yeah. Hall of Fame banquets and stuff like that. Not, not spent time with them, but I knew who they were. We'd shook hands. We had proud, they're proud Razorbacks. Yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, and half of the organization with Jerry, they have some kind of Razorback ties. You yeah. know, a lot of the marketing department and the scouting department. They, there's a lot of Arkansas ties in the building. So. Yeah, it, it it was it was really cool. It was it was a I mean it was a unique experience for me. Obviously, most guys don't get that right. Well, I go out there and throw fifteen balls, and again, I, keep in mind. I mean, I'm a realist. I know that it's it's stretched talent wise for me to be able to be an NFL guy. I mean, I just not six five, can't throw it to the moon. Um, the stars have to align, and and no pun intended. But I threw about fifteen balls, and they're like, all right, you can go in here and get with Todd. Todd Williams is Jerry's right hand man. Go in here and get with Todd and and uh, get this contract signed up. And I'm like, what? That's it? Like I, I like. 
I mean, half a day ago, I was I was planning on driving to to Dallas to work out for Canadian League teams, and I'm literally inking a contract with the Dallas Cowboys. Wow! So it, it was really cool, man. And then of course I go in the locker room, and literally Emmett's on my right, and to my right, and Troy's on my left. And um, so wait, they say that about the contract thing. Would you? What'd you do? Did you call your parents? I mean, how'd that work? No, I mean, I, I went in. I mean, I knew going in. Were you just in shock, it. basically? Yeah, yeah. But, I, but again, I mean, I don't know. Now, looking back, I was a young dude that had um, a pretty good grasp on things. It's like I, at no point in my – and I mean, I knew that I wasn't going to negotiate, you know? Yeah. Most guys had started three years and broke records at a university would have been like, oh, well, I'm going to negotiate. Let me call my agent, man. Let me – you know? Right. I was like, hell no. Put that paper down and give me a pen that works. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to sign that joker as quick as I can. <laughs> so, yeah, we just went in and, and signed it. And uh, I can't remember if my agent – I mean, I know I had an agent at the time, but I can't remember him even being there. I think he was in Jerry's office when I got there to sign the stuff, but I, he wasn't on the field. He wasn't um, – I mean, I, he wasn't like he wasn't a big part of my life and my career. There was no negotiating. I mean, I gave yeah. away I gave away three percent of my contract at the time because I guess you had to have an agent. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was crazy, man. It was it was it was it was really cool. And and I I, um, I always tell people, man, I, I was it was I backed up. I was a third string quarterback, right? The first string was Troy Aikman. The second string was Randall Cunningham. I mean. At the time, I, I took it. Probably, I probably took it for granted and just enjoyed the moment. But looking back on it, I'm like, wow. I mean, what about? I mean, I'm in, I, I got to spend a year. They both played that year too. Because they both that was the year Aikman year. got injured yeah. for the final time. Yeah, Aikman got beat up pretty bad, and he, and he was. It was a bad time in Aikman's career. You know, they brought in Jack Riley because he was a descendant of. Um, he was in the coaching tree of the Ernie Zampezi mm-hmm. offense, and that's what they had won the Super Bowl, which Super Bowls with before. And so it was kind of Troy's last effort to to make a push and yeah. it just went south. I mean, Jack was not Ernie Zampezi. Mm-hmm. Um, Joey Galloway was not Michael Irvin. I don't know why they ever thought they were two total different players. I don't know why they ever thought that they would be, but, um, you know, and, and then you got David LaFleur doesn't, doesn't become the next Jay Novacek. Um, I, I sad to say, but the, at the end of the day, the, the, the two most consistent, stable beings on the offense was, was Larry Allen and Emmett Smith. I mean, those two guys, yeah. Uh, were rocks, you know, and so everything else just didn't work out for Troy, and and it, it was it was a tough time for him, man. He was he was a very um, not angry is not the right word, but just end of his career wasn't working out, concussions. I mean, it was just a bad bad time for Troy, and um, but when Randall strapped it up, you talk about a you talk about a different different breed now. That dude was was hurdling people like 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 you see in the Olympics at 41 years old wow. when he was getting. True story right here, Drew. I'm in, and you'll appreciate that with our age. I sit down like we go through the whole thing, the whole time with Troy and and uh, Randall, and it's it's we're on turf, we're on dirt, uh, grass in camp, you know. So we don't, well, we sit down for the first uh, preseason game, and and I was really close to Randall. Like Randall, Randall and Troy didn't mesh and and so and Troy had all his all his guys in the locker room already so Randall was kind of the odd man out well Randall and I were really close and and I looked down at Randall and he is putting his shoes on for the game he's got pads and everything on and he has got those those velvet pumas like like you know what I'm talking about the old yeah. puma with the with the, the they were coming all different colors they had the they almost look like soccer shoes yeah right? yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but they were like coasters they were like <laughs> me and you would put them on with our suit or something or we'd put them on with some shorts and go hang out on the right. patio you know what I mean we go to right. primos in Dallas and hang out on the patio and, and primos yeah. man you just took me back That's, yeah oh man and I look over I'm like Randall hell you might have to play today what the hell are you doing man he said oh this is what I wear I said get the hell out of here 
I thought he was joking. Did he and tape him up? Or Coach, he... this is where I'm going. Ten minutes later, you know, we're boom, we're getting our stuff on, and I look over and he's got him spatted up. Wow. He's got it, and I'm thinking, Randall, you're fixing to play in, in, in them velvet shoes, man. And and they were the crazy thing was was they were they were um, they were Minnesota Viking purple, right? And so, but it somehow. It was blue enough to where you couldn't really tell. Oh, it, yeah. it, and it, then you got the white tape. And I'm thinking, this dude's fixing to go out there and play in flat-bottom shoes. And I'm talking about he got a start against Arizona in Arizona after Troy got hurt. He's coming to the sideline, and he not hurdled. He does the – you know how like a high jumper turns his back when he jumps over the bar? Sure. He does that to get a first down over a, a DB that's Fosbury fixing Fosbury flopped over a guy. And, and gets the first down and bounces up like he's 18. Wow. And I'm, I'm thinking – Golly, what is this guy's 41 years old? He was so fun And to was watch. getting after it, man. So, yeah, I mean, Troy Aikman, Randall Cunningham, and Clint Sterner. Tell me which one didn't belong, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, we got to wrap this up because you got to get out of here. But we, I, I need to have you back on for a second podcast because I got a lot more, sto- uh, more questions to ask you. But let's wrap up with this. You're coaching quarterbacks now. How's that been? What are you doing? Where is it? What – how did this all come about? This well, is fascinating to me. I think I was coached extremely well. Two things is how it came about and why I'm good at it. You know, I mean, I tell, I'll never tell you I'm good at anything, but two things. I can hit a baseball back in the day as good as anybody out there, and I can coach a quarterback as good as anybody out there. I I, I was coached. Dick Olin is the best high school quarterback coach I've ever been around. He put him out, proofs in the pudding, got a resume you can't deny. Yeah. I go to Arkansas, and you got uh, Joe Ferguson, again, 19 years in the league. And you got Wade Wilson when I was with the Cowboys, 18 years in the league. David Lee was with the Cowboys, too. He's been a quarterback trainer, quarterback coach. He's in the NFL today. Actually, he's been that in the uh, AAFL. Okay. Um, I mean, just the guys that I had to, one, coach me, and then, two, confirm that technically, mechanically, I was on point. I was doing things the right way. And what I'm feeling when I throw – uh, relative to what they're telling me is right, you know. So I coach a lot from feeling, um, and so then I got I, I got asked to train a guy just randomly, a kid, a young kid, and I started doing it, and I realized I had a knack. I mean, I don't know if it's a good thing or not, but I have a special way of communicating with a 12 to 18 year old kid to where I can push him, but it doesn't piss him off, doesn't hurt his feelings, right. which is which is a mouthful in today's world, right? Sure, sure. I and mean, these kids nowadays are sensitive. pretty sensitive, yeah. So, um, you know, just all that combined. Um, and I've got a coach bug inside me, but I'm not. I'm not a coach. I don't want to go work for the Bobby Petrinos and Bill Parcells of the world. I'd I'd, I'd fight them at midfield and never have another job. So you don't like working 21 hours a day? No, nah, no, nah, I'm out on that deal. I'm sure, out, I don't mind hustling. I don't mind working hard working, but <laughs> you're not. I don't need to be dog cussed while I'm working. But um, so yeah, I mean that's kind of where it started, man. And and then of course that world, you know, across the nation started to explode. And it's quarterbacks, if you're not getting uh, specific quarterback training then you're going to be behind the eight ball and and so um again man I, I was doing it in Arkansas and it blew up and and I love it and and you you know I get to impact these guys not just because I mean I've got a, a personal relationship with a lot of them right um and so so I can impact them and, and just everything that that uh, I'm wired to appreciate I, I get through coaching you know I, I get the opportunity to be with them and and so um it's taken off. And then you got guys like Tom Westerberg, who's at Barbers Hill right here, who was Kyler Murray's guy. Allen mm-hmm. had a ton of success at Allen. He coached Casey Dick and Nathan Dick, who were both Arkansas quarterbacks. He coached a ton of great quarterbacks. Um, when he comes to me and watches me train, he goes, I'll send you all my guys. That validates what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. So uh, Dick Olin does the same thing. I mean, he sends out mass emails to coaches around the city going, hey, man, Clint's in town. Nice. You guys need to get your guy with him. Those guys wouldn't say that. I know them well enough that they wouldn't say that if what I was doing wasn't elite in that world and wasn't done, being done the right way. And so 
it just validates it to me, man. So that that, that train just keeps up picking up steam, man. It's these kids are they're everywhere, and the number here in Houston, man, is there's quarterbacks yeah. everywhere wanting to get trained, just just begging for good quality training, man. So. All right, so if there's an aspiring young quarterback out there, how's he get in touch with you? Yeah, I mean, the easiest way, obviously, social media. But okay. I do have a website that's QB Mind, Q-B-M-I-N-D. Um, go to that website. There's an email There's an email address on there. You can go to QBMind at Yahoo.com. Um, or, hey, man, look, you can call me, 501-247-6460, 501-247-6460. So old school, uh, we'll man, just like the man. old coaches that had their name in the uh, the yellow pages back in the day. That's like it. it. That's I like it. it. I can't bank on the yellow pages no more, though, brother. <laughs> Nobody wants to read a book. <laughs> hey, man, we come in again about a month. I, anytime you want I want to talk some in. more Texans with you. I want to hear about a Baytown boy in Scotland because you yes. played for the Scottish Club. Yes. You've got to have a story of – Bunch of Amsterdam, too. Played in Amsterdam, too. Bro. Oh, you said Amsterdam. <laughs> we got to hear that. I got a lot, a lot more stories I want to hear from you. But, hey, good stuff as always. Appreciate you coming on. Glad to have you in you here, bet. man. Thanks for having me, Drew. Appreciate it.